Georgia's DBHDD has an urgent health warning. One of every 10 counterfeit pills contain fentanyl, a powerful and very deadly drug. Pills from friends or dealers are unsafe, and one pill can cause an overdose. More info at opioidresponse.info. Welcome to the new Georgia Today podcast from GPB News. Today is Monday, December 26th. I'm Peter Biello. On today's special holiday episode, we have information on how you can recycle your Christmas tree. And as we move closer to the year's end, we'll take a look back at some of GPB News' most memorable stories that you may have missed, including one about Georgia's unique independent baseball team, the Savannah Bananas. These stories and more are coming up on Georgia Today. Today, Monday, December 26th, is both a state and federal holiday. Many offices and services are closed today as it is the recognized day off for Christmas. And that doesn't just go for state and federal offices. Plenty of local businesses, restaurants, doctor's offices, and more will be closed today. So we hope you are enjoying the day off if you are one of those who doesn't have to work. With Christmas Day behind us, you may be starting to look for where to recycle that live tree. GPB's Grant Blankenship reports that Keep Georgia Beautiful has some solutions. It happens every year. You love the glow and sparkle of your Christmas tree, but now you're asking, what am I supposed to do with this tree in my house? For that, take it to one of about 200 sites around the state set aside for tree cycling, which mostly means chipping and mulching. Aisha Ellen of Keep Making Bib Beautiful says there are really good reasons to tree cycle. Well, the number one thing is we want to definitely protect and preserve our landfills. Our landfills are already overflowing. All the Keep Georgia Beautiful tree cycling sites will mulch together on the 7th of January. Most will still take trees before and after that. You can find links in a map of drop-off sites at gpb.org. For GPB News, I'm Grant Blankenship in Macon. As we move closer to the end of the year, we're taking a look at some of our newsroom's most memorable stories from 2022, stories you may have missed. First up, researchers followed 25 patients with mild cognitive impairment over nine months, looking at all the different contributors to cognitive decline. GPB's Ellen Eldridge reports on the results. A new study finds it may be possible to reverse early-stage Alzheimer's disease. Rather than treating patients in clinical trials with a specific drug, doctors are taking a more personalized approach by understanding and treating diseases impacting cognitive decline. Dr. Dale Bredesen is one of the study's authors. He says all 25 patients with dementia or mild cognitive impairment in the study improved. We look to see what is driving this. Is this related to insulin resistance? Is it related to systemic inflammation, specific toxins, specific uh, specific infections, uh, vascular disease, uh, sleep apnea, leaky gut, etc., etc. Bredesen says the next step is recruiting for a larger clinical trial focused on personalized care. For GPB News, I'm Ellen Eldridge. Next up, independent bookstores are growing in number and diversity. The American Booksellers Association says its national membership stands at more than 2,000, its highest total in years, and about 100 more than last year. In Georgia, at least 10 new bookstores have opened up in the past two years. GPB's Orlando Montoya reports their owners come from different backgrounds but face challenges familiar to many businesses today. About 20 parents and their young children are sitting in comfy chairs waiting for Sherry Dillard to begin story time at Virginia Highlands Bookstore in Atlanta. So our first story today 
is one of my favorite story time books. It's called, Is Everyone Ready for Fun? The bookstore opened last year in an empty storefront next to a women's clothing store on a busy walkable block. Bookstore owner Sandra Huff came from a marketing background but had a love of books. She says she saw the for lease sign in January and opened her bookstore five months later. It was very fast. We opened super quickly because the neighborhood is just the perfect environment for a bookstore. Huff had to move quickly because Atlanta's real estate market is red hot right now. She got the space quickly enough but couldn't fill it for months. Just opening, getting these bookshelves in was an incredibly long process and they could not give me the date that they were going to receive them because they had no idea what when they'd get shipped and so then we couldn't open it. It was kind of just a waiting game. Real estate and supply chain issues are concerns that Georgia's new booksellers share with other businesses. Still, after her hurried startup, Huff's shop is now so busy that she asks authors to speak at events twice so more people can attend. A little further south, new bookseller Erica Atkins is also reporting a strong start. Hi, Erica. Great to meet you. It's a pleasure meeting you as well. Welcome in. Atkins Birdsong Books is located in a small shopping strip flanked by subdivisions in Locust Grove. Atkins comes from a human resources background. She sells a variety of books but has a large selection of Christian books. There's a lady, she loves to buy Bibles from us, and she bought a Bible, I want to say back in December, January time frame. That Bible cost her about $45. She bought that same Bible because she likes to pass Bibles out. Maybe about four months later, that Bible had increased from $45 to $55. With a 9% inflation rate dragging the national economy, Atkins has hiked prices on her used books by a dollar. Atkins is one of four women of color to open bookstores in Georgia since the beginning of last year, and that's on par with national trends. The industry trade group says its new members are more diverse than ever. Cynthia Chambry rings up a sale, including the children's book Woke Baby. Her bookstore, called Elda, is inside the new Black Wall Street Market, a former Target store in Stonecrest, east of Atlanta, that's been turned into a mall to uplift black-owned businesses. Chambry's journey to bookselling started when she was an educator. The classroom or the school wasn't actually providing the level of representation as I wanted to teach from. So I just sort of went on a quest to find books that looked like the children in my classroom. The pandemic brought Chambry to Georgia to be with family right when the new Black Wall Street market was getting started. Her business is doing so well that she recently moved into a larger space in the market. Overall, Georgia's new booksellers are worried about a possible recession, but the industry survived the Barnes & Noble-type superstores of the 90s, the Amazon-type online stores that followed, and now the past two years of challenges, demonstrating the resilience of books and the people who sell them. For GPB News, I'm Orlando Montoya. And finally, GPB's Benjamin Payne reports on how Georgia's Savannah Bananas are influencing not just fans, but the business of baseball as a whole. By now, there's a decent chance you've heard of the Savannah Bananas, even if you haven't been to a game. The team has been profiled on national media outlets, from the New York Times to the Today Show. And it's no wonder why. In their exhibition games, the Bananas play by their own set of zany rules, like this one. Is he trying to bunt? Oh, no! Oh my goodness gracious, and we have an ejection! 
He's going to be tossed from this ball game for trying to lay down a bunt. That's rule number four in banana ball. If you try to bunt, you're gone. Plus, there's the on-field antics, like the first base coach grilling up burgers, and the third base coach waving in runners with one of those wands used to guide airplanes on the tarmac. But what you might not know is that the bananas are making an impression well outside Savannah. What the bananas have been able to do for us at the Paddleheads is challenge us to be uniquely us. That's Sam Boyd, who works for the Missoula Paddleheads, a minor league baseball team in Missoula, Montana. He's in charge of fan experience at the ballpark as the team's director of WOW. That's my official title. I like to say my job is just to make people say WOW. Much of that involves writing skits for the team's moose mascot, Paxton the Paddlehead, as well as the mascot's superfan, Ryan the Moose Tracker. I see every single game as a different storyline that we create with the characters that we have in the ballpark. This ballpark buffoonery is in the same vein as the Savannah Bananas, and that's no coincidence. Ever since Boyd graduated from college, he's looked up to Bananas owner Jesse Cole. In fact, he considers Cole his mentor. They text each other and talk over the phone a couple times a year to check in. Our mission is fans first, entertain always. So everything we do, we think about what is fans first and how do we entertain our fans at every touch point of the entire experience. That's Cole, sounding as serious as can be, even as he wears his signature yellow tuxedo and yellow top hat. To him, creating fans every step of the way means way more than just the on-field product. The breakdancing coach, the dancing players, the banana band, the banana baby, players playing in kilts, players playing in stilts, you name it, we tried it. All of this has led to a massive online following. If you look at their TikTok following, for example, they have four times the amount of followers as the Atlanta Braves, and they have more followers than every single Major League Baseball franchise. That's Tyler Skinner, a doctoral student of sports finance at the University of Georgia. He says that the big leagues are starting to take notice of the bananas. I don't think Major League Baseball is going to implement um, any of the really out there rules, like if a fan catches a ball, it's an out, you know, that's never going to happen in Major League Baseball. But just looking at how the bananas are able to really fasten the pace of play in their games, that's something that I think organizations and leagues are really going to start looking at. Skinner also says teams are looking at how the bananas are drawing in fans who otherwise wouldn't care about baseball like Julie Gibson, a registered nurse who lives near Savannah on Wilmington Island. I would go to a ball game with my husband and it was boring and I just never got into the sport. So I'd take a book and read. But the first time I went to a bananas game, it was fun. There was something to look at all the time. Gibson has since created a Facebook group that acts as a ticket exchange for fans. It has about 20,000 members. I get people from literally the entire world. So people are like, I'm coming from Australia to see this. So it's just a lot of fun. There's just so much going on. Back in Montana, Sam Boyd shares his favorite thing about the bananas and the culture that the team's owner has created. What Jesse has created is he encourages people to be uniquely themselves. Um, and being uniquely yourself makes you stand out and be different. And that in itself is just a beautiful thing. For GPB News, I'm Benjamin Payne in Savannah. And that is it for today's edition of Georgia Today. For more news, sign up for our newsletter, gpb.org newsletter. You can also check our website for the latest headlines, gpb.org. We love hearing listener feedback, so tell us what you think. Tell us a little bit about what you'd like to hear in this podcast. Send us the note by email. The address is georgiatoday at gpb.org. I'm Peter Biello. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.